0: Oh, it's so good to be with you guys. I, you know, I understand more and more when I read in, um, in the Bible when Paul says, I have longed to be with you. And I remember being here with you a year ago or so. I don't know exactly how long it was. And since then, you, you have grown really fond. Your, your church, you people, obviously Connor and his whole family, um, Kendall and Barb, you have amazing leaders. Sometimes we are taking them for granted, you know that? And um, as being a leader myself, I feel like there's times people, they, 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 they love us and they're they thankful, but you forget to express it to them, right? And so I want to encourage you, even today, to, to spend a moment, you know, to um, appreciate your leaders and the people who God put in your, in your life, because sometimes we don't understand what we have until we don't have it anymore. And I don't want you to come to the place to realize, shoot. We like, we had, we had such amazing people. So, I mean, I don't know. I just, so here's what I want to do. This morning I woke up. I prayed, spent some time with Jesus and I felt I want to do things a little different. So we'll go on a journey together. But before we, before we go there, um, you know, the, the scripture came to mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul and love your neighbors as yourself. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to stand up for a moment. And you kind of did it already so uh but, but I but I want you to practically go to someone and in in the Anglican church or another church is they pass the peace. And what that means is you you say the peace of the lord be with you and then you respond and also with you. But I don't want you to do it just in a traditional way but what I want you to do is you know what peace is? Peace in the Bible means shalom, right? It means nothing missing and nothing lacking. And one definition of peace I've heard, which actually is so beautiful, and I want to say that to you before you speak it out to each other, it is the power to destroy chaos. That's powerful, eh? It's not just, well, whatever comes, comes, and I'm just uh, peace. You know, it's not the Canadian way of peace. (laughs) It's actually a power, like, you know, when Jesus stood up in the, uh, in the boat and said, peace be still, there was power at work, which literally display, like, dis, uh, destroyed the chaos. Yeah. And so I think that's important when we talk about peace. And when Jesus said, peace I leave with you, not like the world has. That means that our circumstances are not dependent on our peace. Amen. Yeah and so i think we need to remember that when we give peace it's not just like the peace of the lord be with you and also with you but it's like it's it's a weapon god wants to give us in the midst of our circumstances in the midst of what's going on around us so what i wanted to do is go to each other and say that the peace of the lord be with you and also with you and remember that that peace is the power to destroy any kind of chaos in your circumstances or life in this moment. Ready? Go. A few months ago, um, I woke up in the morning and I'm not just saying that right now, but I woke up and the first thing which came to mind were you, Awakening Church. And um, I I was like, oh, what's going on? And he's like, I love them. And he actually gave me a word for you. And, um, and he said to me, I want you to give this word to them. And then I forgot my notes at home and I was like, uh, <laughs> driving here. Anyways, all that to say, here's what I heard him say. I asked this morning, I sat down again, I just said like, okay, can you repeat to me what he said? And it's, it's simple, but I want to unpack it a little bit today um, with a scripture. But then also with my own story, and um, I pray that it will not distract from Jesus. But that anything I say today, that it will point you to Jesus, okay? So, I mean, when I was younger, I, I love stories. I loved telling stories of myself. But I realized over the years as I'm growing older, sometimes our stories can put too much emphasis on ourselves. And I, I rather want to put emphasis on Christ, okay? And so I'm, I'm hesitant these days to share some of those stories because the last thing I want is that it's about me. And so I pray that as I share today, may it be with fear and trembling, exalting Christ. Okay? So I, I hope that you can hear it this way. So here's what I, I heard him say. Awakening, awakening church, don't lose hope. My promises over you are yes and amen. This last season felt disheartening at times, but resurrection is here. That's what I heard him say. Resurrection is here. I'm breathing new life into the places you have felt dead and at the end of yourself, where you felt disoriented and disillusioned, where you felt scared and alone. Frustrated and ready to give up. I'm the Lord, your Redeemer, your Creator and your friends. You have been precious to me and not forgotten. Look to me and let me speak your name and identity right into this season and see your circumstances become insignificant in the light of the knowledge of Christ. Awakening Church, you are mine. And I want to unpackage that a little bit. But the one thing I heard was, resurrection is here. Yeah, yeah. Now, you might say like, well, you have no idea. That's not what I feel. That's not the circumstances I encounter right now. And fair enough, I, I don't know what you have gone through. But, um, but I sometimes wonder, too, if we have a glorified picture of what a resurrection looked like. I've seen it in my own life that sometimes I have looked at resurrection and I had an escapism mindset, meaning when resurrection is here, then my car will not break down anymore. I don't need a new washing machine because resurrection is here. You know, there will be no more troubles, no more pain. And I've, I've seen myself longing for a kind of resurrection, which I believe is not what the Bible shows us what resurrection truly looked like. And so I feel like rather than me looking for something which is an illusion or a dream which is impossible to attain, we have to look again into what did the resurrection look like for the disciples, and what is God inviting us into? Because here's the thing: after the resurrection and Pentecost, they went into intense circumstances. They went into prison, they got beaten, they got killed. And yet, their circumstances didn't inform their reality anymore. That's right. And so I, I wonder if God is inviting us as the body of Christ in this season where, honestly, everywhere I go, churches I go to, I see disillusionment, I see discouragement, and so I see people who are like, I don't know, if, is this all? And, and I, I'm like, I understand you. I am a pastor and I felt like this. I will share later a little bit about that. But I wonder, and I feel like God is inviting us and say like, you know, the resurrection on us is here. It's, it's more like a Saskatchewan dawn in the middle of summer. I don't know if you've sometimes are up early enough at three o'clock. Um, <laughs> well, like who is crazy enough to be up at three o'clock? Well, there's times when I couldn't sleep and you wake up and you hear the birds and it's still dark. Ever ever encountered that? It's like, well, wait a minute. Why are you already up when it's still dark, you know? Let me sleep here. And when you, when you, when you pay attention, when you get up, you actually see a silver lining on the horizon. Now, it's still cold outside, it's dark, but there's a silver horizon. And then it becomes brighter, lighter and lighter, but it still is hours away from the sun hitting your skin, right? When you realize, oh, it's morning and the sun is here. And, and yet the new day has already started when it's still dark, when it's still cold, and when you only see the silver lining. I believe that this is a little bit how we have to understand that resurrection is here, which doesn't mean that we have the full effect yet. And yet God wants to do something. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 20. And I just want to look at one, I mean, there's so much we could look at. I want to look at one story of the Bible which really spoke to me in this last season. John 20, verse 11 to 18. It's one person who I want to highlight. And where God spoke to me about resurrection and how about, how, what, what that looked like. Verse 11, it says, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. She turned and said to him in a remake, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalena went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he has said these things to her. Heavenly Father, we are here today And we are inviting your Holy Spirit to open up the Word of God to us. May you speak to our heart. May you speak right into our circumstances. Jesus, I pray that I will not be in the way of what you want to do today. May everything I say be to your glory and to your praise. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you go around in the room and that you will speak to everyone here according to their needs and according to what is needed in this season and in the circumstances they're facing. I don't want to say that I know what is needed, so Holy Spirit, will you do your work. And may you just um, be glorified in our midst that we we walk away from here encouraged, inspired, and more in love with our, our Jesus. I pray in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So here's a few things I want to just um, highlight here. Here's Mary. And what is her... Where is she at? She's weeping. Because she came early in the morning to the tomb and she found it empty, and the story beforehand, she, she runs back, and she tells Peter and John, and they come, and they look at it, and then they leave, and here's Mary all by herself. And she is in her grief and devastation. She's just like, like, and I, I don't know exactly, I, I don't want to put um, words in her mouth, but just imagine, she just saw Jesus die. And the Romans ridicule and shame him. And she was there the whole time. She wasn't like the disciples who ran off. She probably and Mary, they were there watching it all. And if that wasn't enough, she comes to the tomb and they took him. That's her life narrative at that point. Man, guys, Jesus already is dead. Can't you God just give us a, a peace and quiet that we can grieve him properly? And here I come, just want to bring my spices, my love to Jesus, and you took him. That was her life narrative at that point. That's what she saw. She was like, they weren't just ridiculing him and shaming him and all of that in his life. Now they do the same in his death. And she was devastated. And there's something so beautiful in her expression because she had eyes only for Jesus. She loved Jesus. You know, the the disciples that were hiding at home, Mary was at the tomb. Why? Because she was in love with Jesus. Like, that is something where I'm like, man, I want more of this, this love which Mary carried for Jesus, where she said, like, I will be right there the first day when I can be there after the Sabbath. To anoint him and just to give him from my own sacrifice and heart and love, and so she here she is, and she looks in the tomb again, and boom, there's angels, two angels in white. Now here is what is interesting for me as I studied and meditated on that: they're angels. Who here ever has seen an angel? A few. Some of us might have seen angels and you didn't even know that you've seen them, right? But, but, but again, it's not every day that, hey, look, there's an angel in here. And it's not that we see that all the time. So, but here's Mary. She sees two angels in white, dazzling glow, uh, clothes, it says. But you know what? She doesn't even see the supernaturality of this because she's so grieved in her heart. And she has a kind of perspective of what happens, which is her perspective. It's her truth, right? And you can't just say like, Mary, you know, just don't worry. Everything's fine. Everything will be fine. No, no, it, it wasn't fine for her. And so they ask her, woman, why are you weeping? And she says right there, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they, took, they have laid him. There's this desperation. This, I, I came to anoint him and he's gone. They took him away. And, and she can't see the supernaturality of it. And here's, here's a little something what this last season taught me. That sometimes our grief gets in the way of seeing the supernatural reality of what God is doing in your life. Now, I'm not saying that grief isn't important. Hear me that. It's really important. But sometimes it can blind us from the reality of God's wonders and signs and miracles right in front of you. And so he, she turns around and she looks and there's Jesus, the guy she was looking for. She wanted to come to anoint him and Jesus is there and says, why are you weeping? Interestingly, whenever there's you know, repeated questions, we should pay attention to that. The angels ask her, why are you weeping? Jesus is asking her, why are you weeping? Oh, is it because Jesus didn't know that the angel asked her? No. It's like, why are you pre- repeating yourself? Because it's important. Whenever God is repeating things in your life, it's important. Pay attention. So here she is. Why are you weeping? Jesus says, and, and she, she thinks it's the gardener. Now, I mean, it's interesting. Just imagine Jesus, the resurrected Christ, a gardener. I I don't have a picture of it, but just Google what gardeners look like and the pictures of the resurrected Christ we see and have. You know, there's some uh, pretty big differences there, right? But again, I believe her grief blinded her from what really was right in front of her. And so she needed Jesus saying her name speaking her name, saying, Mary. And all of a sudden, she snapped out of it. She could see him. She could see what happened right in front of her. And everything changed. Everything changed. Now, circumstances were still weird. and you know They didn't know what they should do with the resurrection. Like, they still actually locked themselves up in rooms after they found out about the resurrection of Jesus. It wasn't that all of a sudden now they would be on top of the cloud, you know, the Romans will also like, you guys, I'm sorry, we did the wrong thing here, you know, now you, like, that's what we sometimes think, right? When the resurrection hits, the world will love us. <laughs> and everything will be great. And we will not have any problems. And I've, I've been there and I see that in my own life. So... Let me just share a little bit of, I think it's so important, this whole story was something God has literally manifested right in front of me in this last season. And so if you're okay with that, let me just share a little bit. Um, two years ago, my wife contracted Lyme's disease. And so um, if you know anything about Lyme's disease, it's, it's one of those sicknesses where uh, as and mostly, or the, the medical... They don't believe that it really exists, or it does exist, but not in Saskatchewan. Um, and so it was actually a real hard uh, fight for a while, and, um, and and yet God met us in all of it. And, and so we were last summer, or we kind of came in some ways to the end of it, and we saw um, good things happening, and then... For everybody who doesn't know, four years ago, we moved from Lethbridge to Regina to take over a church called Via Apostolica Church. And when I came, I had big dreams and big hopes. I mean, this was my first time being a lead pastor somewhere, and I was excited. I, I felt like I, we will go there. We'll slay the giants. We establish a culture of revival and the kingdom of God. We train leaders. We have disciples and um, last summer, I was with our people and we wanted to do some church at the park, you know, and I met with my leaders. And I said to them, we'll do some church at the park and invite people who don't know Jesus. And the response I got was, um, well, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> and the next was my leaders, not just anyone. Well, if we, if we do this, we will not be there on those Sundays. I was like, What? And um, I mean, they had their own challenges and things to walk through, but what it did to me, it, it was like a punch in my stomach. And I felt like we've invested for three years, had people every month in our house, feeding them, training them, discipling them. And this is where we're at right now. And it took me on a journey where I, I felt like I just, I just spinned out of control. September, October, November, December, my wife at one point said to me, she said, I'm scared. I've never seen you like this. I was like, I remember at one point being in church and I was going in the side room, I came out and I saw our church and people were disillusioned, like they were sitting on their phones. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want my children to grow up in this church and I can't even blame the pastor because it's me. (laughs) I not even say like, well, yeah, maybe, we, maybe it's just the pastor's fault. I'm like, can't even do that. <laughs> I mean, I did do that. But you know what I mean. You know, it's not that. And I remember like just feeling what's going on. And I, at one point I was like, I must be the worst pastor, worst leader. I'm not a discipler. And um, maybe I should just find another job. Quit pastoring and find another job. It was such a hard time where I, woke every, I was loathing every Sunday. Sunday came. Saturday, I started to become really anxious. My wife, it's what's going on. And I started, you know, yelling at her and the kids. And, and, and I remember her saying, what are you afraid of? And I said to her, I'm afraid of Sunday. Because I, I couldn't see. I was grieved. I was like, God, what? I wanted to pursue your dream, a glorious church. And look, look at, this is obviously not working. And, and I remember in the midst of it, I just reached out to um, our overseer and he really walked me through. And, but, but it didn't give me the clarity. And I, I remember in January going and meeting with a spiritual director. And I'm just emailing him and saying, this is what's going on. I'm disillusioned. I don't know what's going on. I don't even know what will happen. And I, I, I said to him, I feel like if this is the rest of my life, I can't do this. But I didn't see any hope. All hope was gone at that point. And, it, and I'm writing him and I'm getting an email back from him. And he said to me, it looks like you lost hope in God, trust in God. Now, that didn't help me. It was like a slap in the face, you know? <laughs> like, thanks, man. I thought you should say, like, you can do this. But, but it was so true. And here's what the challenge was. If you know our story, uh, 16, 15 years ago, we moved from Germany to Canada because we followed Jesus. We had four suitcases. And God provided again and again and again. And we were 10 years in Kelowna. We're in a a big church, you know, and and part of that. And and then God called us away to move to Lethbridge. And he told us and our children and everything. And we followed. And then we were two years in Lethbridge and God asked us to go to Regina. And I mean, if you would have told me 10 years ago that one day we'll live in Regina. I would have said, like, come on, really? Get behind me, Satan. I mean, I didn't even know what Regina is and how you spell it. And it's like, you know, it, it was just like, all I knew that the RCMP is training there. That's what I knew. And, and so we went there following Jesus, trusting him all the way. And now all of a sudden hear that I lost trust in God. It actually made me realize somebody, something. I realized that we can, we can be one of those people everybody looks up to, and yet we still can lose trust in God. And I was wondering, journaling, so like, how, can, how can this be? That we dedicated our lives to follow Jesus, and here we are. And I remember spending time and with God. And and then one of my mentors gave me this um, thing to do. He said to me, I wanted to write out, I give you a question and I wanted to write out what God tells you. And the question is what in your life resents the relinquish of control? Where in your life are you not willing to give up control? Now, I would have never asked myself that question because even though I'm a German, I wouldn't call myself controlling. You know, my wife probably is more controlling than me, uh, and she would tell that to you, so I'm not saying you anything where it's like, oops, don't say that. But, but for me, I was like, no, I'm, I'm free spirit. I'm like, just wherever God wants us to go. But, but as I started journaling, I realized me kind of spinning out of control made me look and grasp for control. I wanted to gain control again. And I was like, look, and God, how can I get back into control? And I, I wrote the, the lies I believed. And, and all of a sudden, God says something, and that broke me. It was like my resurrection moment, my merry moment. And in that, he said to me, son, what if you being out of control in this last season was my gift to you? to lead you into greater trust and intimacy with me. And I broke. Because all of a sudden I realized that the thing I was fighting for half a year was the gift God wanted to extend to me. Because his heart is relationship. His heart is to be close. To be with us. You know why he came to be to, to marry to reveal himself? Because he loved her. I mean, he said right there, he said, do not cling to me because I haven't ascended to the Father. And there's many different scholars who believe different things what that means. And I am not that kind of scholar who can tell you what it means. But all I know was that Mary was important enough to Jesus. That he said, before I go into my Father, here's one of the ones I love. I want to make sure she knows where I am. I love that. And you know what? You are one of his favorites too. And so I remember as I was realizing that I repented and I said, Jesus, I'm sorry for trying to gain control again. I surrender and I give control to you and I wanna lead you, let me, you lead me into greater trust and intimacy. And you know what happened? Like this. The cloud lifted, hope returned, and I could see clear again. Now, here's the thing, the circumstances didn't change. We actually, last Sunday, had our last service for this season. We put Via Apostolica into the grave. You know why? Because I believe in a God who resurrects. And he asked me, would you be willing to give this church to me and trust me and follow me? So what that looked like for us since the time I I repented, God actually uh, opened doors that I'm meeting, like doors all over the city. Churches coming and saying like, um, could you come and worship, lead worship, preach? And I, I started doing that, and we started looking, God, what do you want for via with china and and um and one church approached me in, in specifically who um, they they are looking for somebody who helps them because one of their pastors is going sabbatical, and they asked me one and a half years ago if I would be, one, want to become one of their pastors, and I declined because they're like, no, here's my church, I'm building a church and uh, I remember God saying to me. Would you serve six months the body of Christ in Regina? Give via Regina to me, and you watch and see what will happen. So in August, I'm starting with this other church, half-time, it's not a full-time salary. And I said to them, I would commit three Sundays a month to you, and one Sunday a month, I'm opening myself up to serve other churches in the city. We told our church, And we said, listen, we believe in unity in the body of Christ. So do you want to come on a journey with us? This next six months, we're not having a Sunday service. But we'll just serve the body of Christ wherever there is need. Now that's freaky for some of our people because we have lots of young families. But they said yes. And we're not sure yet exactly what it will all play out. And we don't know what comes after six months. But one thing God said to us, he asked me a question. He said, are you willing to give up your dream to live mine? And I wanted to be a pastor of a, of a church and build it and whatever. And so at this point, I feel like I'm, I'm giving this to him. Because here's the thing. Sometimes we believe resurrection means that our church will grow. And, you know, And that's what I thought. Resurrection will mean that I will slay the giants and I will have this church and the whole city will see how amazing I am. And God said to me, is it about your dream or is it about mine? And so it, um, it's, a, it's a scary place to be. We're actually honestly right now living out resurrection on a daily basis. Just the other day, um, Levi had his drum recital, he's our 14 year old son and he loves drumming and, and the drum teacher uh, was there and I said to him, thank you so much for everything, how are you doing? And he's like, I'm doing horrible. My wife just left me, I'm devastated, I don't know, it just blindsided me. So I said to him, well, do you wanna have coffee? So right before I came to you guys on Friday, I, um, I had coffee with him and I thought 45 minutes or so, three and a half hours later, tears crying God meeting us he said to me he he said to me you're the best pastor I've ever experienced <laughs> I was like uh I I'm not but thank you <laughs> we have neighbors right now who call me their. they're not Christians but they know that I'm Christian they start calling us pastors why because we're just starting to care for people um, I'm a pastor without a church these days. Yes. I remember the other day, uh, Connor introduced me to someone, and so like, this is the lead pastor of the Apostolica. Inside, I'm like, well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, resurrection, sometimes, and even later, the disciples thought resurrection looks like that the Romans' occupation will be destroyed, Right? Will, will you now establish your kingdom? And, and I, I believe what God is calling us and inviting us in this season, as the body of Christ, as Awakening Church, resurrection, maybe, beca- maybe you're disillusioned because you have had a picture of resurrection or what is happening which is not in line with Jesus. Maybe the thing you were fighting in this last season was the very gift God wanted to give you, and he needs you to reorient. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, some of the things you went through, be it a separation or, um, or sickness or any of that stuff, is, is from God, okay? Don't hear me say that because that's not what I believe. When um, this uh, drum teacher came to me and said like, you know, maybe God did this whole thing to me because he wanted to teach me a lesson, I, I said to him, no. That's not the way God functions. God is the giver of all life. Now sometimes us, we're we, you know, we get, getting away from Him and so our consequences are, and sometimes it has nothing to do because it's just without consequences, but because we are living in a world where it's still the now and not yet. And yet I believe if we, if we can see with the perspective of heaven, something shifts in this last season in, in, uh, during the resurrection tide god said something to me and that was so significant he said nico do you think the cross was an accident a failure i'm like no do you think the father was in heaven? heaven's like shoot they just killed jesus what do we do well plan b i have to resurrect him i guess you know and it sounds ridiculous and i was like of course not The resurrection was always God's plan all along, right? And then he asked me a question which I couldn't say that's ridiculous. He said to me, son, what if this last season of having the church come to the place it is right now is not because of your failure or mistake? What if this was my plan all along? Because... I have a heart for the church which is bigger than just one church. Now, I couldn't say yes right away because I'm a man and I know I make mistakes and my insecurities and I'm like, well, I know that you didn't make a mistake with the resurrection, but in my place, I'm not so sure. Well, I let God speak words of of truth into me and I'm at the point now where I can believe that. Where I say like, yes, I I receive your truth that despite my failures, despite my mistakes, despite that there's, yeah, there's responsibility I had and people had and all of that stuff, but somehow God has something in mind which is way bigger than what I can see right now. And I better trust him rather than question him and let the circumstances of life dictate what I believe about God. Because that's what we do. All of a sudden, I'm like, God, where were you? Where were you in my pain? I can't feel you. I can't see you. And so rather than being letting my circumstances dictate, because that's what happened to Mary, the circumstances of Jesus' absent body dictated her reality. And she thought they took him. Where in your life have your circumstances dictated what you believe about yourself or about your circumstances? And where is God inviting you to pause and stop and say like, God, where in my life are you inviting me to give up control? Where are you inviting me to trust you? I don't understand it all. Where are you inviting me to surrender? So here's just three questions I wanna give you before I end. Where has your life narrative clouded your view from what truly is happening in your life? Some of you guys should journal about that. Should write down, sit. Take some time with Jesus and realize the life narrative of my life, the things what I think truly happened, have clouded my view of what God is about to do in this season. Number two, where do you need to stop and surrender your life narrative afresh to him and let him speak your name and his identity into you? Mary started to recognize Jesus when she heard her name. Maybe you need to pause and say, Jesus, can you speak your name again, my name again over me? Can you show me what truly matters to you? Because somehow I can't see. You know, God is not worried and anxious in heaven. It's like, shoot, they just past, via apostolica, what should we do now, you know? But that's what I think. That's what happens in my heart. He's not there thinking like, well, how should I provide for Nico and his family? Oh, man. The ravens were with Elijah. I don't know if I can do this. Like, you know, he's not up there like concerned and worried. I am. Number three, in which area of your life do you need to experience God? speaking his truth that changes everything despite your circumstances. Despite the brokenness of this world, where is Jesus wanting to give you his reality which transcends the reality of your circumstances and of this world and will give you hope which is not based on your circumstances? You know, sometimes we believe we need hope that changes our circumstances. I believe we need God's hope that transcends the circumstances in our life. So, let me just pray for you. I don't know. I don't know how long I preached. I hope that was okay. I just want to say, uh, you. He's really fond of you. He loves Awakening Church. In all your mess, in all your doubts, in all your questions, he, you, don't, you don't have to push it away. Like I was raw and brutally honest in this last season. I wrote it all out. And you know what? It was a fragrance of sacrifice to Jesus. He's not like, I can't believe you said that right now. I'll put that in your journal. Because he knows already before it's even down, right? So who are we kidding? Fooling ourselves when we think like, well, I can't say that to Jesus. I, I, I don't know if I, I said that to you. My wife taught that to me because she's really honest with Jesus. And I remember when we first got married, I was, we were praying together and she's like, God, I'm pissed at you at this and I'm mad at this. And I was like sitting next to her. I'm like... Oh, Jesus, please don't kill her, you know, don't. And I remember, like, I remember sitting next to her. I, I remember it like yesterday. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm expecting a, th- yeah, like, lightning from heaven. And I'm like, God, she doesn't mean it like this, you know. And I remember him saying, San, stop. She means it like it. And I can handle it. And I was like, oh, you can? <laughs> Because I grew up in a different way, right? I I would have never said anything like that to God, but it was in there. And so I, I learned through my wife to be really honest with God and that it's actually an offering and a sacrifice rather than something where he rebukes us.